Bibles and open to Acts 14. Last week we started a message in continuing in the faith. And we saw that we are to dwell in the faith. And we defined what the faith is. So Acts 14, verses 21 through 23. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And so we are looking at the exhortation to continue in the faith. Now, we went through several definitions, and let's get in the habit of using this so everybody can hear. You know the problem with older ears? They don't hear like younger ears. So, who wants to help define faith? The faith. When we talk about the faith, what are we talking about? Now that I'm holding a microphone, nobody wants to answer doesn't have to be the dictionary definition. But when we're talking about the faith, what are we talking about? Okay, I believe that faith to me is living out who I say I am with my testimony, my life, who, what I do, how I live my life in Christ to prove to the world that I am faithful, I am a Christian. Okay, so living what you say you believe essentially is what he's saying. The faith is appropriating to yourself um, the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the, his death, burial, and resurrection. It okay. becoming real to you. Evangelical faith, if you will, or saving faith, is exactly what Ed said. And yes, once we appropriate that, then we are going to live by faith. Our whole manner of living ought to be a faithful lifestyle that says what, who God is and what God has said is real by evidence in my life. Because... What you truly believe is what you truly will live. I tell people, don't tell me what you believe. Show me, right? Show me what you believe. And so the problem is people like to talk about what they believe, but they're not continuing in the faith because one who's continuing in the faith not only accepts Christ, but also lives like one who's accepted Christ. Continuing in the faith, not just starting in the faith, because is, is salvation not the starting point right, of the Christian life? And then we ought to live like Christians from that point forward. And so the definition that was given that we read that I did not expect you to have memorized, but had the idea of it, a firm, cordial belief in the veracity of God and all the declarations of his word of a full, affectionate uh, confidence in the certainty of, the, of those things which God has declared and because he has declared them. That is a very complicated way of saying living what you believe God truly has said because God said it. We don't talk like that anymore, so... I didn't expect that definition. However, that's what Paul is saying. He's confirming the souls, exhorting them, coming alongside them, saying, continue in, remain, stay, dwell. Remember the idea of the whole word of continue in the Greek has the idea to be at home in the faith. Well, 
Are, do you feel at home around God's people? Do you feel at home when you hear the preaching of God's word? Are you at home, you know, living by faith every day? Or are you enticed by the things of this world? And are you feel more at home in the world than you do with other Christians? Living your faith. And that is the whole idea that we looked at last week. Then we came to the second point of the departure from the faith. So let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we started this, and we did not finish last week. But this is where I'd like us to pick up this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created, to be received with thanksgiving to them which believe and know the truth. We have a great departure from the faith today. Children who've been reared in Christian homes leaving as soon as they can. Why? Why are we seeing this happening? Why are we seeing more and more young people departing from the faith? And not just young people, but older people alike. Why are we seeing this? Ed first. I think it's because most Christians today, um, see how I can word this. They're not uh, consistent in their Christian living. And when kids don't see consistency in their parents or in other Christians, uh, those professing Christians, then they see no need to continue because um, it's not being lived out in, as, as an example in the lives of the people who claim to have a relationship with the Lord. Okay. So pretty much what you're going to see. They don't see people living out their faith. So then let's go back to point one. How important is it that we continue in the faith to live out our faith? Extremely vital, very good word. Because if we do not, what are we telling the next generation? It's not that important. It looks good on paper, but it's not worth living, right? When we then question God in our lives, when crisis come and we're not showing how to live by faith, we are saying that this really is not real in my life. Think about that. You tell your children you can trust God for everything, but then when you sit there and fret and worry and your children see you doing that, you're telling your children, my faith is not what, not worth living. When you make excuses for not being in church, you're telling your children, my faith is not worth living. When you're not leading your children in the Word of God, you're saying, my faith is not worth living. When you allow things of this world into your home that your children know should not be in your home, you're telling your children the faith is not worth it. And then we wonder why they leave. Yet I have seen it. I'll tell you what. Since social media has come around, it's been a great revealer of what's truly in a lot of people's hearts. Because people that I thought were truly very spiritual people by their post that they put on, the fruit, the evidence, is not there. You know what I'm saying? 
Because I'll tell you what, somebody who's truly walking with God would not post half of what I see people who claim to be walking with God putting on Facebook or any other social media, which, by the way, I'm about had it with all of them. I used to use the excuse, well, it's a great way to keep in touch with people, but you know, I'm on there about once a week, it seems, and anything you do put on there, the fact checkers have to tell you it's wrong. Okay, what's another reason? Not to pour a great burden of guilt on young people departing the faith today, but in our scripture reference here, it says um, that some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Our young people today, I know sin has been sin since Adam, mm -hmm. but in the day that we live with technology and all the things available at a moment, at a moment's notice to our young people, um, they're bombarded from every direction with just what it says here, seducing spirits. That could be the internet, it could be pornography, it could be um, entertainment, it could be a host of things that are seducing our young people. And um, it's, it's true, even for an adult, it is hard to live in a society where you're bombarded from every direction with things to try to distract you from living the Christian life. You know why many of the cults are growing and why, why uh, pagan religions like Wiccans are growing and children who grew up in independent Baptist churches like this one are getting involved in those type things? It goes along with the, the inconsistency, but there's more to it as well, is a, I'll call it acceptance or a love that they feel because some of these cults, are, my mom years ago when she was cleaning houses worked for a um, Mormon mission. And, you know, to our chagrin, you've never met a more loving group of people than Mormons. And I'll tell you how they win a lot of people is that they really show love to them. Now, we try, I believe, here at Freedom Baptist Church to show love to others. And then, of course, the enticement of the sin, so going to Wiccans, uh, their biggest enticement sex and drugs, but it entices a lot of young people. And yes, the seducing spirits, the doctrines of devils, I've mentioned some of them, and also... The, all these things that they see in the churches, you know, and they see churches splitting over the, what version should we be using? And, and they, they hear a preacher using five different versions, and that creates confusion. They hear uh, somebody teaching Calvinism, that creates a lot of confusion. They hear all these weird doctrines out there, the prosperity gospel and all these other things that are false, doctrines of devils, and it creates confusion because... Okay, let's take prosperity gospel. If God wants me to be rich and happy, if, if God's goal is my happiness, and all of a sudden I follow God, and then something really tragic happens, I'm not happy anymore, therefore God wasn't real. That's the conclusion, that the, and it's a logical conclusion that they come to because of the false premise that they were taught, right? And so these 
Doctrines of devils are seducing people, carrying them away. By the way, I mentioned Mormons. While maybe a very loving group, they deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They are not Christian, although they talk like Christians. Years ago, I'll get to your question here in a minute, Stephanie. When I was working Walmart in Shelby, there was a man that I thought was a Christian by the way he talked. Matter of fact, my wife, I'd introduced her to him, and we both thought he was a Christian by the way he was talking to me. Then all of a sudden, one day, he tells me about being with the Latter-day Saints. I'm like, wait a minute, what? He goes, yeah. And I'm like, but he talks the terms of justification and repentance, and he knows all these terms. And then what I realized is he knows the terminology, but he defines it totally different. And this is another danger of so many of the cults. They use some of the same terms we do, but when they say those terms, they don't mean the same thing you and I mean. Hence, going back to what we went through last year in Sunday school with effective evangelism, and that's why I spent so much time teaching you the definitions, because we've got to define our terms when we're speaking to people. They don't understand, and they got their own concept of what things mean. I think another reason that um, a lot of the young people are leaving the churches like they are is they see their their parents sitting in the church pews shouting hallelujah and amen and then they go home and those same parents are tearing down the pastor, the pastor's family, the other families in the church. And I think also... Um, we think that some things are so innocent and so cute, like allowing children to believe in Santa Claus or believe in the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy. And when they grow up to find out that they're not real, it lets them, it opens up a door for them to start questioning the validity of the salvation of Jesus Christ and what he, what he did for us. Interesting to her point, the church across the street from my house has yesterday, I think it was, come for our Easter egg hunt. And then underneath it, it has about come for our resurrection service on Easter Sunday. And I'm like, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and look at another reason why some are leaving. Paul talking to young Timothy, verse 1 says, I charge thee there before, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who should judge the quick and the dead, it is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they shall not will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Some leave because they don't like the conviction preaching brings. We have put, as a society, such an emphasis on people's feelings that when you preach the word and it brings conviction, they don't feel good about it, and that's not what they want, so they want a church that's going to make them feel good. How many have seen signs around, and there are several of them now, I thought it was just the one thing here in Havelock, but I found that they're actually everywhere, uh, a place called The Bridge. You ever look at their signs? It says, where you belong before you believe, is what their signs say. So what the bridge is supposed to be is a church for non-believers, 
to become believers, which is not a church, by the way. Hence the reason, I guess, why they call it the bridge, because they're trying to bridge them into the church. Is that how Christ said we're to win them? Obviously not. What does that do for young people? To where you belong before you believe. Does that not even, just that phrase not make, just sound confusing? You know, I belong here because I am a believer. This is a body of believers. You can't have a body of non-believers who are someday maybe going to believe type thing. It doesn't even make sense. Confusion. But I would imagine in order to get the lost to come there, there's probably not a very strong hellfire and brimstone type message being preached. And people say, oh, yeah, you know, you independent Baptist, that's all you preach is hellfire and brimstone. Well, you know what? It's the truth of God's word, and I would rather you be uncomfortable hearing hellfire and brimstone than to try to tickle your ears and you walk out of here feeling good about yourself, but heading for an eternity in hell. So it says they leave because they will not endure sound doctrine. Endure has the idea of give patient attention to or hold up. Sound doctrine, healthy teaching. It amazes me how many individuals really are not grounded in the faith. Christians who are not grounded in the faith. I know of some who, and again, it's not, these are not the... Okay, well, I'll just go down a whole list of things. I know some who claim to be Christian, but yet think social drinking is fine. I know some who think, claim to be Christian, but think that the, uh, the Easter Bunny and, and Santa Claus, as was mentioned, are fine to teach your children. I know some who claim to be Christian, but think that, you know, listening to rock music and the world's music and everything else is just absolutely fine. I know some who claim to be Christian, but think... And I could go on a list of all these things. They think it's okay. Where do we get that idea? We are commanded to continue in doctrine. And that's one of the things we're going to look at later. But we need to... Well, let's go ahead and look at it briefly here. And we'll come back to it, uh, Lord willing, later. But 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. So I come, give attendance to reading the exhortation to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy, with laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Continue in what? The doctrines. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You and I need to be a continual student of the word of God. Lord willing, this week we're going to finish up the book Continue in Sunday School. And next week we're going to start a new series of lessons called Avoiding Confusion. And it's looking at the things going on in this world from a biblical world view. In other words, can you explain, and some of them are easier than others, I think most of you could explain from a biblical world view why abortion is wrong, right? Can you explain from a biblical worldview why this whole social justice movement we have going on is wrong? Can you explain from a biblical worldview why homosexuality is wrong, why gay marriage is wrong, why all these things that we see happening in our... And, and you know, 
I believe here at this church, many are grounded in these things. But you know the sad thing is? I think you can go to many churches and ask people, give me a Bible reason why it's wrong, and they wouldn't be able to answer you. That's sad. We're not grounding people in the doctrine, in the faith, in understanding the Word of God enough to be able to give an answer. Now, Peter says, give an answer to hope that lies within you. Yes, I should be able to explain to somebody that Jesus Christ is my Savior and able to save them, but I should also be able, according to Jude, to be able to defend the faith, should I not? When somebody asks me, why do you believe what you believe? Why is that wrong? Can I answer their question? It seems like for a long time, many churches were teaching Don't worry about learning all those details. Just know how to share the gospel. Now, I believe sharing the gospel is extremely important. But I also need to be able to defend my faith and understand an an understanding of how God's word applies to every aspect of life. Should I not? But I think for such a long time, church, and and if you disagree with me, you raise your hand and I'll give you an opportunity to to speak on it, but I really believe many churches for many years, well, don't worry about that. Don't worry about learning that. Just know how to give the gospel. That's all people need to know. Well, I agree. Everybody needs to know. But sometimes when they are living in confusion, don't we have to help them understand how the Bible applies to every area of life so they can even trust it? Because how many don't even trust the Word of God as the Word of God? How many don't even believe God? And so if we can't show them that this is real in every aspect of life, then their question is, why should I believe that Jesus Christ can save me? You had something you wanted to say. I have yet to witness to anyone. I used to do some street preaching in D.C. I've yet to witness to, to almost anyone who didn't have questions before I was able to lead them to the Lord. Why this and why that and why should I and why can't I this and what's the reason for all these things? Can you explain any of those things to me so that I can have a full understanding of it before I believe? Because I just am so confused. How can it be all these different things? Why, 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 why? I have yet to have anybody that, that doesn't have some questions like that when I'm witnessing to them. So, and that's a perfect example of why you said we need to be grounded in the faith to be able to answer these questions. Let me ask you a couple follow-ups. When you take the time to explain them, have you led any of them to Christ? Yes. Because okay. now they, they come up to me and they say, oh, now that makes perfect. Now I understand. Nobody ever told me that before. Someone asked me, the, a young man I'm working with that where I work now, um, uh, I say young man, he's 37 years old. He's constantly, you know, talking about God and how God doesn't exist like that. But now he's starting to turn. Hey, Al, why is God so so up on marriage why do people have to be what's this thing about marriage why is it important to, to have marriage so I, i'm not going to tell you the explanation i gave to him but i gave him a, a rudimentary rudimentary explanation of why marriage is instituted by god and, and his reasons for it i believe the for it like that and he just looked at me and said oh oh okay because he really didn't know this this um this culture we live in marriage is useless it doesn't mean anything just do whatever you want to do and there's no consequences well maybe no consequences on on the earthly plane but there are consequences because you'll wind up if you're not saved you know in the lake of fire but the point is he the light went on in his in in, in his brain he said oh 
He didn't use he speculates and he says all these different things and he tries to run confusion with me. But this time he just said, oh, like the light finally dawned on him that what I said was true because he's looked around and seen things. Now, he un now I understand, he said. So I've yet to, like I said, be able to witness to anybody that they didn't have those questions. And they're important questions. Okay, now that's very interesting. How many, like myself, was taught by somewhere, in a well-intending, but some class trying to teach you how to go soul winning, said when people ask questions, they're trying to distract you, just take them right back to the plan that you're trying to give them. How many ever were taught that? Okay. Now, I believe there are sometimes people are trying to distract you, but there are other times that they have genuine questions that if you're not willing to answer, then they don't have, they don't, they, that why should they continue to listen to you if you're not willing to answer their questions? And that's their attitude. And that's true sometimes too. I think we're not meant to not answer the question. We're to answer it, but then use that answer to bring it roundabout back to the gospel. Okay. Now that's a better method, but I, I was taught by some, don't bother answering the question. They're just trying to distract you. So I've had both. I've had people who will sit there and say, well, you know, start asking all these crazy questions. And, and you can tell after a while that they really don't care about the answer. They're just trying to get you off on some tangent. And I've had some that truly have a genuine question. And by taking the time to answer that question, it clears it up. And now you've cleared up that, see, God's plan and purpose does truly work. Now it gives credence when you do take it back to the gospel that this works as well. This is true. This, you know what I'm saying? They, they realize all of a sudden, okay, my question has a true answer of why God does it the way he does. Now this makes more sense to me. They're more willing to listen to you. And so it's important that we do take that time. But are we able to defend our faith? Growing up in a Christian school, I'm going to give you some examples. And I don't mean this as complaint. I'm just telling you from personal experience, things I saw and realized have created confusion. Okay, don't go to the movies. The movies are bad. Why? Because it supports Hollywood. I remember this conversation in class one day. It supports Hollywood. Well, what if we go to Blockbuster and rent the video? Well, that's different. How is that different? than going to the movies. Legitimate question, right? Yes, this was back in the blockbuster days. Well, don't be a bunch of rebels, just listen to what I say. So guess where half of my graduating class is today? Not even following God at all. Why? Because of stupid answers like that. And you know what? We need to learn to apply things consistently. If it's wrong to go to the movies, then why is it right to rent it from Blockbuster and have the same filth in your house that's at the movie theater? Oh, because people don't see you doing it? Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. And you know what we thought as teenagers? You hypocrite. And that was just one example of many questions that would be asked in class. And when the teacher wouldn't know the answer, he basically shoot us all down saying, just stop being a bunch of rebels and listen to what I'm saying. And so what do teenagers do? Well, you just told us we're rebels, so we're going to do that. And you didn't give us an answer, so you gave us no reason not to. Am I right? 
By the way, take that thought and apply it to, and, and it's, it's, every one of us will have inconsistencies in our life. And we've got to examine our own lives and see, am I doing my absolute best to be consistent? For instance, I'll take another one. People love all of a sudden, you know, now that Disney won't say ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls anymore because, you know, we don't want to be so gender specific. All of a sudden, everybody's boycotting Disney. Well, if it took you this long to figure out Disney was not family friendly, you've been, you've been who knows where you've been. Okay, but they'll boycott Disney, but then, you know, they go and buy something else that supports, openly supports homosexuality. My point being is, be careful promoting, I'm going to boycott this, but not this. Well, because your inconsistency, and the world will see that. So either you grow all your own food and do everything at home, or you just realize that the world is what the world is. Now, I'm not saying go, you know, go to Disney, okay? If you've still been going there, like I said, for a long time, I don't know why. But people still do, and I know a lot of Christians who do, or we're going to, we're going to Disney with the family, Okay, good for you. And by the way, yes, we need to help people understand the error, but we also need to allow the Holy Spirit to do to the convicting. Now, it doesn't mean I can't point out to others, hey, have you considered? But here's the way sometimes we handle, oh, you're doing that? Like looking down our noses at them. And we got to be careful of that too. And some of you smile because you know what I'm saying is true. You've been there, you've seen it. We've done it. We do, exactly. You know what? And I found myself doing that to people too. And I'm, I'm, God is working in my heart not to be so critical, so judgmental, so quickly on people. Because you know what? God was gracious with me and still is gracious with me. And where is my grace toward others? And I'm not saying excusing their sins. Look, I know some things that have happened in this church, and I have pulled people aside privately, and I've confronted them. But unless it's egregious enough to where we're going to start following through beyond that with you know, a disciplinary process, then we need to let the Holy Spirit do His work to convict them, right? Hey, you know, maybe that attire is not the most modest. Or maybe that thing you put on Facebook, maybe that wasn't quite appropriate. Have you considered what it could do to blah, blah, blah? You know, or have you thought about the speech you use? Have you considered maybe, you know, whatever. And you, but you got to let the Holy Spirit do His work. You show them what the principles of God's Word says, but we can't change people. Every time I do counseling, I remind people, I said, there's only one person in this room you can change. And you can't even do that. You need God's help to do it. Because when I counsel couples, it's usually her saying, he does this and he doesn't do that. And he's sitting over there, she does this and she doesn't do that. And if only she could change. And I'll ask him sometimes, I'll say, so what do you think needs to change in your marriage? And he'll first start out, she needs to do this and she needs to do that. And she says, no, in our marriage, what needs to happen is he needs to do this and he needs to do that. And I say, both of you stop and both of you are wrong because the only one you can change is you. So why don't you look at yourself and say, what can I do to be a better husband? Or what can I do to be a better wife? Because I can only change me. You know, if I spend all my day trying to change Susan, I'm going to be a very frustrated man. But I can change me in the way I treat her. And you know, 
What I find, and this is why God set up the home the way he did, is that men, our wives, are built by God to respond to the way we treat them. And when we treat her like she's supposed to be treated, she's going to start responding properly. Ladies, I know that modern society would say that that's a very sexist comment, but am I correct in that? It is a sexist comment. We have two sexes. Well, thank you. And God designed us differently, didn't he? You know, ladies, I believe godly ladies really want their man to, take, to be the leader in the home. So men, why do we always sit there and fiddle around with, and I'm not, and I'm not saying men of this church, but men in the world. I mean, you knock on doors, and he answers, hey, we're from Freedom Baptist Church. Oh, let me get my wife. She deals with the spiritual things of the house. I've heard that said. Well, I don't know. Now, I understand not making decisions without talking to your wife first, like inviting a bunch of guys over for lunch and not informing your wife first. I will not confirm or deny whether that happened in our home when we were first married. <laughs> okay, yes, there are some things and that would have been courteous to call her. Not that I'm the man of the house. I wanted to invite my friends over, so woman, deal with it. Yeah, it was wrong attitude. Found out very quickly, too. It is amazing she's put up with me for 27 years, Miss Enid, I'm telling you. <laughs> yes, Al? But you know, even the world, if they're honest with themselves, they realize that, you know, they had, they had worldly psychologists write books like Men of the Mars and Women of the Sea. Yep. They know there's a difference. Exactly. So another problem we have of children leaving the faith is dad not being the spiritual leader dad needs to be. Parents, we need to know teach and live the word of god so your children will see a genuine christianity and not be tempted to leave the faith years ago he's not here this morning but i'm going to talk about him anyhow josh when he was a teenager he decided and again it's his over analytical mind he decided he wanted to know if what he had been taught was true and so he said, okay, I'm going to throw everything I've been taught aside. And he started studying on his own. I did not know this till he came to this conclusion. All different world religions, seeing what truth might be in all, any of the world religions. And he comes back to me and told me he had done this because he was questioning God. He was questioning the faith. He was questioning all, all these things. He went through this whole study and came back and said, Dad, I came to the conclusion that the Word of God is true and what God has said is right and that Christianity is the only truth and he expected me to get upset at him and I told him good because now it's your conviction and not what you were taught and I said nobody will take it away from you because you studied it yourself and figured out that that's the truth now does he believe everything exactly the way I do no but I will say this, you're not going to get him to waver on his faith because he studied it on his own. So let's go to our last point, and I'll introduce it and we'll have to close because I didn't realize the time already. And that is Jude 3. Maybe we can finish it. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it is needful me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. 
which was once delivered unto the saints. You got all these different churches out there with all these different varieties of doctrines and all these different beliefs and all these different things out there. Again, a lot of it, I believe, a tactic of Satan to try to create confusion. But even back in Jude's day, he says, we need to earnestly contend for the faith. Satan tries to corrupt the Word of God. He's been putting a question mark on the Word of God since he spoke to Eve, has he not? And we need to stand for the faith, not just the saving faith, but the entire truth of God's revealed Word. We need to contend or struggle on behalf to agonize. It's the rigors of training that an athlete will endure in order to win. We need to stand for biblical principles without compromise. Let me say that again. Stand for biblical principles without compromise. I've told you numerous times that I've never felt the spiritual battle like I do sometimes sitting on the dais of uh, the Board of Commissioners of Havelock. Because there are times when the attacks have been, well, you just can't bring your religion in here. Well, it's not just some religion that I do on Sundays. It's who I am, and it can't change. It's what I believe, and I can't deny what I believe. Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, once we start to compromise, we end up on a slippery slope that will never end. If you compromise a little bit, then you're going to compromise a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. Compromising our standards is not continuing the faith, but rather it's giving it up. In the movie, Sheffy, one of the last scenes, he says something along these lines. He says, basically, they're not going to have to come take our faith from us. He says, we're going to give it up bit by bit until eventually there's nothing left to give over. I find that happening today. We're giving it up bit by bit until there'll be nothing left to give over. Now, I'm glad God's word hasn't changed. I'm glad the principles of God's word have not changed. I'm glad the faith has not changed. The problem is what we are following, the way we're following God's word, standing for God's word, contending for the faith, seems to be shifting more and more today. We need to stand for what's right because it's right no matter what happens. It doesn't matter who's doing it, who's not doing it. Because everybody else is doing it doesn't make it right. So let's do right because it's right, because God said it's right, and earnestly contend for the faith. So continue in the faith, all of the truth of God's word. Do not compromise our standards. Do not live a double standard. Study the word of God and teach others. Stand for truth. And do not depart from the faith. Let us close with a word of prayer.